Good morning, y'all. Uh, today's sermon is going to be coming from Luke 1. It's going to be 39, verses 39 to 56. No, that's not right. It's going to be 46 to 56. That's correct? All right. It's uh, Mary's praise. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on, whose, on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. God is good. He has satisfied the hungry, the hunger, the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then she returned to her home. Amen. Hey, y'all. Thank you all for being at church this morning. My name is Dean, pastor here at Family Church, where we love God passionately, and we love people personally, like Abiyoye told us earlier. I hope today you're excited for what God wants to teach us out of his word. Uh, we are doing a sermon series called Songs of Advent. And uh, maybe you've heard of Advent before, an Advent calendar where you count down uh, uh, till Christmas Eve, or maybe you've lit candles in a wreath before, Advent, Advent wreath. Advent's just simply an ancient tradition of anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Uh, Advent literally means in Latin, coming or arrival. And we've, we're this season looking at the songs of Advent. Uh, Laura's going to come up here and she's going to light our first two candles uh, for the season. We have two more weeks to go until Christmas. And what you do is you light the candles in anticipation of the joy that we have experienced in Christ. And that's what we do every Christmas season. We look back at his first coming and we anticipate his coming, his advent, his return for you and for me. So we've been looking at the songs that define the season. Last week, we looked at uh, the book of Psalms, which is the Old Testament kind of song book for Israel. And we looked at how we anticipated the coming king. Now we're going to be actually starting this week and through the end of the year, uh, Elijah's actually going to close us uh, on New Year's Eve. We're going to look through these four songs about Jesus' birth from the Gospel of Luke. I don't know if y'all have ever realized that, but there are four different songs sung about Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke. One is Mary's song. Maybe you've heard Mary's song sung before. Uh, we kind of sang it in our own version at the very beginning. Laura and Anna and Ashton led us, and my soul magnifies the Lord. It's awesome uh, singing God's word because it's a great way to remember it uh, because he has done great things. For us, that's Mary's proclamation when she is, uh, she is with child and uh, looking, looking towards what he is going to do for you and for me. Next week, we're going to look at, the, at Zachariah's song. Zachariah is the father of John the Baptist, who's already been visited by an angel so far in the story. And now Zachariah's wife is, is she, Elizabeth, she is pregnant right now with child. And Mary 
visits her. When Mary visits her after the angel appeared to Mary, Mary visits her, visits Elizabeth, and, and the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb, if y'all remember the story. John the Baptist acknowledges and knows that Mary is, is, is with child, and that child is special, because even the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And then Zachariah, we'll see next week, he sings a song of praise. And then the next week, we're going to look at how the angels, you know, glory in the highest, goodwill, peace on earth to men. Y'all heard their song before. And so we're going to look at the angels' song. And then our last week, maybe an overlooked song, is Simeon's song in the temple when Jesus is presented. And so songs are a way of expressing yearning, of expressing, I mean, all song, all creative art is a way of expressing doubt, hope, fear, pain, trust, all these things. And so today we're going to look at Mary's song and how she displays trust in God in her song. That's our big idea this morning is trust in God. Trust in God. If you don't live with, leave with anything else today, I pray that you would leave trusting in God. I love what C.J. Mahaney says about trusting. Uh, waiting involves trust. And when we think about Advent, we think about the Old Testament ended, saying that there was a, a king was coming. And between the book of Malachi and Matthew, I don't know if you know, there were 400 years historically. 400 years where no prophets were speaking, 400 years of waiting. Uh, a lot of theologians call it the 400 years of silence. You think you, think you have a hard time waiting? Try waiting 400 years, you know? Now as his church, we're wait, we've been waiting 2,000 years for his return. But what to the Lord, what a day is like 1,000 years, right? So we, he is waiting. He, he hasn't returned just yet because his, his purpose is that the whole world would hear him. Like Jesus told the apostles in the, gospel, in the gospels that when the whole world is hear, heard, then I will return. And so what we see here is that in this waiting, Love how C.J. Mahaney puts it. It takes faith to wait tranquilly for something for which we have a promise for God, but no date. Y'all, does it take faith to wait for something from which we have a promise from God, but no date? Waiting is not resignation. I want you to hear that. Waiting is not resignation. Waiting is an act of trust in God to provide fulfillment in his perfect timing for the ultimate purposes of glorifying his son. Waiting is active trust, and waiting requires trust. And what we see here in these first few verses of Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48, when Mary cries out, my soul magnifies the Lord, my, my version that I'm reading from says, my soul praises the greatness of our Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. That word there for servant is doulos in the Greek, literally means slave. This is Mary's condition. She felt as if she was fully submitted and in God's hands. And so what we see here is that trust is that first we should trust in the favor of God. Now, what is favor? Favor is getting something and God orchestrating something when it doesn't make sense. It's going above and beyond what is expected. Actually, the Oxford English Dictionary says that favor is approval or an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. 
in the Old Testament, we talk about God's love and his favor. And it's, it's summarized in this Old Testament word called hesed, which means loving kindness. It's, God, it's all of God's love and action on behalf of his people. What we see here is Mary sings. Let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes. It's hard for me. I'm a guy, but, you know, let's try to put ourselves in Mary's shoes. She's a young teenager. Y'all probably heard that before. They got betrothed and married. Uh, the, the ladies did quite young. She's probably somewhere between 13, 14, 15. Very, very young girl. She is pregnant with child, a child that the angel Gabriel told her was coming and the Holy Spirit was going to come on her. Mary is, uh, it's not, Mary is not yet uh, consummated her marriage with Joseph. So y'all have heard the shame and those types of things she probably endured. But in that moment, she remembers that she's favored by God. And in that moment of fear and waiting, all she can do is trust in the favor of God. And that trust and that favor exhibit itself in praise. So she says, my, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. The word there, magnalino, in the Greek literally means to a loud shout. Like, so Mary's response to this gift that God had given her is not to complain that God has put her in this position, but it's literally to shout for joy. My soul magnifies. Maybe you've heard this, this uh, song called the Magnificat before. It's the word in the Latin Vulgate, the old Latin translation, the Catholic translation of the Bible. And they, they get that word Magnificat because that's what she does. It's the, she magnifies the Lord. She praises the Lord and she does it loud. Her, her faith is displayed in her praise. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. She acknowledges that she is completely submitted to him. She, her, her acknowledgement highlights her humble condition. And a lot of her song mirrors what Mary already has. Why should we read scripture? Because scripture is a guide. I don't know if you know this. They had the Old Testament. And she had likely read about Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. I don't know if y'all know who Hannah is. Hannah's the the mother of the prophet Samuel, who Samuel helped transition Israel from the time of, of judges and not having a leader to inaugurate him first, the first king, Saul, and then the true king, David. And so we see that uh, Hannah, when she becomes pregnant, she sings out a song of praise. And many, much of her song mirrors Mary's song. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, she says, my soul rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by God. And furthermore, in verse eight, she says, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. We should trust in the favor of God. Secondly, we see this. We should trust in the blessings of God. Maybe the blessing, trust in the blessings of God. Maybe the blessings of God aren't exactly what we want. Blessings aren't fulfilling what we want. Blessings is God giving us what we need to accomplish his purposes and his plan. Let's read verse, into verse 48 and verse 49 together. It says, surely from now on, 
all generations will call me what? Blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. All generations will call me blessed. Mary was blessed. We worship and we, we worship God and we praise God that he blessed this humble little girl in Bethlehem who would give birth to the Savior of the world. Now we know, hey, we, we, we live, uh, family churches in the Protestant tradition. Protestants tend to like have the opposite reaction of Catholics. Catholics make, uh, I mean, y'all know, Catholics pray to Mary. They make Mary this venerated figure. Mary's just a typical girl. There was nothing special about Mary. But the flip side is then Protestants, we push Mary down. And we don't see her. I, let's be honest, we don't see her in the same hero light that we would see the Apostle Paul, that we would see, uh, what, great Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. We don't think of, Mary was blessed. Mary displayed faith. Mary is someone that we should model. Mary is, is, is not someone who should be worshipped, but Mary is one that should be praised. Y'all know worship and praise are two different things. I can praise my children. I don't worship my children. Praise means lifting up. Praise means declaring the goodness of. And so Mary's life is something that we should model. Mary was blessed. And it says that all generations shall call her blessed. Even today, we declare in Kenner, Louisiana, the year of our Lord, 2023, Mary is blessed. And because of Mary's blessings, we are blessed. And this is a generational work. I love when, when my father passed away, we use this verse uh, at his funeral. Maybe you've heard it before. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another. And, then, and shall proclaim your mighty acts, right? That's our job. Our mission is generational. David himself, whose Jesus would come through his lineage, the great King David said in Psalm 71, 17 and 18, God, don't, uh, even, even with old age and gray hairs, God, don't abandon me. Don't let me die until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those who are to come. Mary is blessed, and since Mary was blessed, we're blessed. There is nothing inherently good about Mary that caused her blessing. Mary was blessed by the unmerited favor of God. Y'all get that? Mary was blessed by the unmerited favor of God. Mary was not sinless, but the child she gave birth to it's miraculous. It's, it's, what, it's what we call in theological terms, a hypostatic union. It means that God, that he was born fully God and fully man. He couldn't have been born of an earthly dad, because let's be honest, a lot of things genetically come from an earthly dad, right? Uh, there are some, like our boys will be bald because Laura's dad is bald, right? You know, so like there's some things that come from the girl, but a lot of it comes from the dad. Y'all know genetically, right? The dad determines whether it's a boy or a girl genetically. So a lot comes from the dad. This is why Mary had to be overcome by the very presence and spirit of God because Jesus could not be born of man. Adam had failed. The second Adam, Jesus, would never fail. 
And because of Mary's blessing, this miraculous blessing, we are blessed. And let's compare Mary to Zechariah. If you read earlier on, and, and we'll read this when we talk about Zechariah next week. If you read earlier on in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah gets the same angelic call that something miraculous is going to happen. His wife who's barren is, is going to give birth, and she's going to give birth to John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner, uh, the proclaimer of the coming king. And Zechariah had a hard time believing this. And Zechariah goes mute. He goes mute. Mary was the anti-Zechariah. She didn't question the angelic call. She trusted in the blessings that God had given her. And I'll ask you today, will you trust in the ways that God has blessed you? See, y'all, we want, we want to look for blessings that we define. God is the one who defines the blessings. You woke up this morning, you have breath in your lungs, you are blessed. Talk to people in our church family who've lost loved ones. You, while we're blessed because we know where they are for eternity, it's a blessing to be here today. It's a blessing to have breath filling up our lungs. God has given you these blessings so that you can be used for his glory. And I love Mary in verse 49. She ascribes to this God who blesses her. She calls him the mighty one. Using his, using his many names in the Old Testament, using his names that reflect his character, mirroring what Hannah said in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, where Hannah said, there is no one like the Lord, there is no one beside you, there is no rock like our God. I don't know if you know this, but rocks have force, rocks are mighty. And Mary cries out, and she knows that the Lord has done great things for her. Last week, we talked about the songs of ascents, the songs that were sung as Israel, as Israel came and, and to all of its festivals and feasts where it remembered the goodness of God. In one of these songs of ascents, last week we looked at Psalm 132, but in Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream." Our mouths were filled with laughter. Y'all, when we, when we delight in the blessings of God, we can't help but pour out in praise. We can't help but delight. And have you ever been so delighted in something that you smiled and you laughed, right? Sometimes we laugh at jokes, but there's sometimes where I've been so delighted in my kids and what they're like, it's just laughter. It's, it's a good thing. And it's so it says our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And they were joyful. They were joyful. We should have that same joy because the Lord has blessed us and he has done great things for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, but would have everlasting life. Point number three. We have five. We're going to go quick here. Trust in the favor of God. Trust in the blessings of God. Thirdly, trust in the holiness of God. Trust in the set-apartness of God. Trust in the holiness of God. I don't know if you know that's what holy means. Holy means different or set apart. And how does, how does Mary end verse 49? And his name is holy. He's done great things for us and for me and 
His name is holy. You see, a name defines who you are. You embody your name. I, I, I didn't even know this. Y'all know names have meaning? And you can look up a name and it might mean something bad. Well, you can live your life with that curse or you can take that curse and work it into a blessing. But my name means literally, Charles means leader. I go by Dean. I don't know if y'all know that. Breaking news here, Charles Dean Ross. But I go by Dean. Uh, if you want to know, ask my mom. It's all on her. I, don't, I didn't pick going by Dean. She's called me Dean since I was a kid, and I'm tired of explaining it, so ask her. And so, but I, I, I do keep the name if I ever ran for Congress, right? Charles Dean Ross, Con that sounds good, right? Or attorney at law, you know, whatever. But my name, Dean, literally means in the valley. And I'm like, thank you, mom. Thank you for giving me that name, you know? But my first name is, is Charles, which means leader. And, and you see, she didn't plan it this way. God planned it that way, you know? Like, it's, and so, uh, did you plan it that way? Did you plan it that way? You see, she didn't plan it that way, but God had a plan. I never thought I was going to be a pastor. I don't know if you know this, but a pastor is, all, is a leader. You can lead in many different ways, but a pastor is a leader. I live in a city that's below sea level. It's in a valley. I'm a leader in a valley. Ashton's name, we didn't even think about this, but if you don't know, Ash is like coal and darkness and all this. And so he's got to learn how to be a light in the midst of darkness, or he can just live a life of darkness. You get what I'm saying? Names have meaning. And our, our, our king of kings, he's given the name Jesus. He's given the name Emmanuel, God with us. And his name is above every name. Let's, let's, I'm going to read for you uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It says, adopt the same attitude, that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider himself equal with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming, this is the, talking about the hypostatic union, the fully God, fully man. He emptied himself by assuming the, the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's holy. He's set apart. And you know what? That points us to the truth that his plan is for a purpose. It's perfect. His plan is perfect. Number four, we're almost there. Trust in the mercy of God. Trust in the mercy of God. Let's look at verse 50 together. It says, his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Do y'all know what mercy means? Mercy means not getting, not getting something you deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. We don't deserve to be saved. That's why it's by grace that we've been saved. Mercy is not going to hell. Mercy is not living apart from God. Mercy, we deserve that. Like our actions, if you think it's just Adam and Eve's fault, 
I can tell you, you were born into a state of sin and you made that decision quicker than they did. Like, we are all born sinners. And if you don't believe it, have children. I say that, right? Have children. You realize we are all born sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. But, it, but by God's mercy, he, he loves us. Because of his great love for us, he died for us. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the mercy of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, that God desires all to be saved. He hasn't yet returned because he has a plan for you and me so that every knee should bow and it wouldn't be forced to bow in submission before a king and then cast into utter darkness, but to be bowed in worship to the one who we get to spend eternity with. Trust in the mercy of God. We trust in the favor of God. We trust in the blessings of God. We trust in the holiness of God. We trust in the mercies of God that are rooted in those who fear him, those who, who acknowledge who he is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And lastly, we trust in the work of God. This may be the hardest to trust in the work of God. Do you know that God is at work even when we're not? I just finished last night. I was telling Miss Dale this past week when Laura and I visited her. We were, I just finished the book of Job. And Job is, is a prime example that God is at work even when we don't see him at work. And if you don't know the story of Job, read it. It's kind of depressing. Job is, loses everything at the beginning. He has a bunch of uh, friends trying to teach him and question him in the middle. And at the end, God tells him, stop questioning things and trust in me. And then God blesses Job. We have to trust that God is at work even when we don't see him at work. Romans 8, 28, God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Good does not mean a lack of hurt. It was for the goodness of God's plan that his very son went to the cross for you and me. Good does not equal like hurt and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. These things God uses and prepares us. Remember the story of Joseph that we talked about earlier this fall in Genesis. Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good so that people could be saved and so that people could be rescued here in a land that's not our own. Trust in the work of God. Let's read verses 51 through 56 again. It says, he has done a mighty deed with his arm. Arm, in, in, in the Bible, arm represents God's power. He has done a mighty, by, mighty deed by his power. He scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones, and he has exalted the lowly. This is a theme in the Gospel of Luke. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. God has come for the blessed are those who are poor, right? Blessed are the meek. He's exalted the lowly, and he has satisfied the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, talking about his people, 
if you remember back to when we were talking about Joseph, Joseph's dad, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, which then it was embodied by the nation of Israel. And Israel, what does it mean? It means wrestles with God. Wrestles with God. God's people have always wrestled with his work that was at play. God's people have always questioned how he was working. But he has helped his servants. And I, this is my translation. He has helped his questioning servants, is what God's doing here. He, with his great plan, he has remembered, remembered his mercy, in verse 55, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. What did he spoke? What did he spoken to Abraham and his servants? Y'all know Abraham's call. I will make you a great nation, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Through you, through Israel, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. More than likely, most of you in here, including me, weren't born with a majority Jewish or Hebrew blood. We are Gentiles. Through, uh, through, through Israel, through God's plan, through his perfect servant and his suffering servant, his son, we are blessed. Through the line of David, we are blessed. Through you, all the peoples of the earth shall be blessed. And I'll close here. This blessing sometimes doesn't make sense. Think about it. Verse 56, Mary stayed with her, talking about Elizabeth, about three months, about to the time where Elizabeth was about to give birth or had given birth to John the Baptist. And when she returned home, she returned home pregnant. Sometimes we look over that verse, but Mary returns home pregnant as all get out. Pregnant, you can't hide it. Like she can't hide it. Ladies, about three, four months, you can't hide it anymore, right? She's pregnant. She comes home. I love what Trent Butler says here, and I'll close with this. Talk about trusting in the work of God. Trent Butler in the Holman Commentary, he says, what a surprise this must have been for Nazareth. That's Jesus' home. An unmarried local girl comes down from the hills, at least three months pregnant, maybe more, it made no difference to Mary. God had confirmed his word to her. A baby leaped. The spirit moved. Elizabeth blessed. Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women. God gave her a song of praise, which we just looked at. Let the people say what they would. Mary was willing to be an instrument of disgrace in order to be God's instrument of grace. Let me say that again. Mary was willing to bear the disgrace and be an instrument of disgrace to be used as God's instrument of grace. Are we ourselves willing to take on the, the form of Jesus, who though he was in the equality of man, didn't count himself equal with God, but took up his cross? Jesus said, I didn't... What, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Trusting in God sometimes means that we are brought down low. 
so that when we are brought down low, we can be lifted up. Not by our own will or our own volition, but by the goodness and the grace of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your dates will be bursting with wine. The abundance comes from God's blessing. And God only gives to those whom he knows will use what we have for his glory. You've been given breath in your lungs. You've been giving everything, your time, your talent, your treasure. We've been given it all so that we can trust in God while we wait on him to accomplish what he's called us to do. Remember what I said at the very beginning. C.J. Mahaney says, waiting is not resignation. Waiting is an act of trust that God's at work. He is working for his glory and our good. So I'm going to ask you today, will you trust in God? Will you follow? Maybe you're here today and you've never followed Jesus. Now's the time. Like we're going to take communion in a moment and all who follow Jesus are welcome to the Lord's table. It's not too late to come to the table of the Lord to remember his body and his blood that was broken and poured out for us. You have time to follow Jesus here in a moment. Abiyoye and uh, Elijah are going to be here at the front. I'm going to be in the back. If you want to find a lady to talk to, you can always find Ms. Joke. You can look at my mom, you know, Ms. Jeannie. There are incredible godly women in this room who would love to pray with you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 10 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In order for us to feel that we need to be saved, we first have to come to the realization that we're in trouble. Apart from God's plan, we're not able to sing a song like Mary. Apart from God's plan, we doubt, like Zechariah. And God, in his grace, sometimes with Zechariah, uses instruments like shutting us up so that we can hear and see what he does. I invite you back next week to hear more of that story. But today, offer you the call. Will you follow Jesus? Respond to him. Everyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. Let's respond. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for being our great God and King. Lord, we thank you so much for, for Mary's faith displayed in her song. Lord, the favor that she had, the blessings that she had, uh, trusting in your holy plans, Lord, that you were at work. And Lord, uh, providing mercy for those who need mercy. God, today we're filled with a room of men and women who need mercy. So God, today I pray that we would trust in you to provide that mercy and that hope in your perfect timing and by your great and perfect will. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.